0: Welcome to episode number 59 of Unforgettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is in some way Unforgettable. <laughs> Last week we kind of honored the Mets' 2021 bench mob by looking back at an unlikely bench star in the mid-90s, tied for the most walk-off home runs in Mets history with four, Chris Jones, This week uh, we're going to continue a little informal tour of great Met walk-off wins and continue honoring great bench players as uh, often they make perfect candidates for this kind of podcast uh, with a particularly appropriate subject as this year's uh, first installment of the Subway Series approaches, uh, the one and only Matt Franco. If you remember Matt Franco well, you probably remember... Uh, or at least I remember two things very prominently, that uh, he was good for at least generally one annual crowd appearance per year of his uncle Kurt Russell and his partner Goldie Hawn in the Shea Stadium crowd cheering him on, and more importantly to us as Met fans that he walked off Mani- Mariano Rivera and the Yankees in one of the most memorable Subway Series games of all time, But before we get to that game, uh, let's take a look at the baseball journey that led to Matt Franco being unformidable. Matthew Neal Franco was born August 19th, 1969 in Santa Monica, California, an auspicious year for a future Met to be born. Franco grew up in Westlake Village in California. Uh, He was a standout baseball player at Westlake High and he would be drafted out of high school in the seventh round by the Chicago Cubs. Upon his being drafted out of high school, uh, the local baseball phenom was featured in an article in the LA Times. Now, I would think a small-town baseball star being highlighted in the local paper probably not that notable, but uh, a high school uh, baseball star being profiled in the Los Angeles Times, sounds a little bit less expected. Except, of course, when you consider those aforementioned family ties. Uh, As previously mentioned, Matt is indeed the nephew of famed Hollywood actor Kurt Russell, and Kurt himself came from a Hollywood family. He was not the first actor in the family. His dad, Bing Russell, was a noted actor with... uh, A lot of credits in film and television, including a recurring role as a sheriff on Bonanza for over 60 episodes. But a love of acting wasn't the only thing that Bing passed on to his son as both Bing Russell and Kurt Russell played minor league baseball um, in the late 40s in Bing's case and in the early 70s in Kurt Russell's case. In fact, Kurt Russell has his own minor league page uh, with his stats on baseballreference.com and there's an interesting article on the always incredible Sabre website uh, detailing about Kurt's baseball background and, you know, and how he maybe had the talent to, uh, you know, deprive us of his fine movie career. But at any rate, baseball was in the family blood. Uh, They... Bing Russell owned an independent league team in Portland in the 70s where Kurt played second base and young Matt Franco was a bat boy. So that wasn't just, you know, random celebrity presence at Shea Stadium. Uh, Kurt was truly a fan of baseball and of his nephew. In that LA Times article, uh, a 17-year-old Matt, uh, a 17-year-old at the time, noted that uh, Kurt had been helping him a lot, giving him advice for years concerning a potential career in professional baseball. Uh, Also in the article, uh, perhaps a bit hyperbolic, but Matt's mother, Jill, Kurt's sister, noted that uh, the Russell family, uh, including her husband, uh, who is also a Hollywood producer, uh, would all rather be doing what Matt's doing than what they're doing. And they would have all rather made the major leagues than anything else they have done. At any rate, Franco had played all around the infield in high school, first, third, and short, uh, was mostly known for his bat and not his glove, uh, and was drafted in the seventh round by the Cubs, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then he began just a very slow, steady, and not, not incredibly always smooth march through the minor league system. He never really developed uh, the power that was hoped for, but he flashed an excellent batting eye. Uh, And probably when any hope of him being a a great prospect had passed by, as he became age-appropriate or even older for certain levels, uh, he started to uh, do a lot better. Finally getting OPSs up into the high 700s, low 800s in double and triple A. So it took nearly eight years in the minors, seven to eight years, uh, but Kurt avoided being a career minor leaguer uh, finally in 1995, earning a September call-up to the Cubs from AAA Iowa. As if his destiny was pre-written, right off the bat he was almost exclusively a pinch hitter as a Cub. He appeared in 17 games in September. Uh, 16 of them as a pinch hitter. Uh, He got one start very late in the year at second base, which did make me do a little double take when I saw that. I don't ever remember him playing off of a corner uh, with the Mets. Uh, He did earn his first major league hit uh, in his third career at bat on September 9th, 1995, off of Luis Aquino of the Giants. Uh, It was actually almost a home run. He ripped a line drive off the right field wall so hard that he was held to a single. Uh, In a nice bit of met serendipity, Todd Zeal let off that inning uh, before Franco batted, and Howard Johnson pinched it after Franco popping out, and I had completely blacked out the fact that Howard Johnson ever appeared in a Chicago Cub uniform, uh, and I wish I never did relearn that, but so it goes sometimes. Franco uh, was out of options and not going to make, uh, didn't look like he was going to make the Cubs in 1996, so he got traded to the Mets right before the start of the 96 season in April. Got traded for the ever-popular player to be named later, who would eventually be Chris DeWitt, a minor league pitcher. He spent most of 96 in AAA Norfolk, uh, having a really good year, uh, 40 doubles, uh, only seven home runs. Uh, 81 RBIs, but he hit 3.23, uh, 8.16 OPS, and finally earned his way. Pretty similar in '96 to '95, where he just earned his way up till sept- in September. Uh, but he would eventually, of course, become a the key piece of off the bench of the Bobby Valentine era Mets. In his '96 September cup of coffee, uh, Franco played a little bit of third base and again pinch hit a lot. Went six for 31. Uh, did hit his first career home run on uh, September 25th of 1996 off of Shane Reynolds of the Astros. But yeah, from 97 to 2000, actually, Franco would appear in over 100 games as a Met every year, uh, never getting more than 187 played appearances. So, yes, he would pinch hitter extraordinaire um, for those years. And I actually remember him making his first mark or first took note of him in 1997, which was uh, kind of an underrated, fun year uh, where I felt like Bobby V and the Mets got, got the Mets a little bit back on the map and uh, he had a pretty successful season. Just, uh, you know, of course, the Braves were. A, dominant back then, and that was that random year where the Marlins went for it and spent a ton of money, uh, so the Mets were left on the outside looking in in the playoffs, uh, but it was a very fun season, and in early September, the uh, in early September, in early June, uh, the Mets were uh, right in the thick of it, 31-24 uh, and 24, uh, on June 3rd, uh, going into a series with the Expos, only a half game behind the Marlins. Uh, in the wildcard race, uh, unfortunately the Mets were facing the great Pedro Martinez on that night, who had always dominated the Mets, and uh, hooking up with him was Bobby Jones, uh, who matched zeros with Pedro that game for the first seven innings of the game. Jones finally blinked in the top of the eighth, uh, surrendering a walk, uh, and then an RBI double uh, to give... The Expos and Pedro a one nothing lead. Um, I thought it was Pedro's first incredibly epic, brilliant year that last year in Montreal. But he had come into the game with a Degrom esque you know one point five ERA and uh, and it always given the Mets fits even when he was just a solid starter and before he became great. Uh, so probably the game seemed lost to me at that point in time, but. Uh, Bobby Jones was scheduled to lead off the bottom of the eighth, and Matt Franco, of course, came in to pinch hit and took Pedro deep into the right field bullpen at Shea to tie the game at one. Uh, The Mets would scratch out a second run in that bottom of the eighth inning, and John Franco would set the Expos down in the top of the ninth, and Bobby Jones would outduel the great Pedro. 2-1 two to one for a pretty stirring victory at Shea, and definitely the first time I remember uh taking note of Matt Franco and uh, you know, seeing him deliver a big clutch pinch hit, which uh something I would we would get to see him do again, uh, several times over. He actually maintained an average uh over three hundred almost the entire year uh of nineteen ninety seven, but he slumped pretty badly down the stretch. He was hitting 302 is late as September 6th of 97, but he went uh, three for his last 26 down the stretch uh, to bring his line for the year down to a more pedestrian, but, uh, you know, pretty acceptable 276, uh, 330 on base, 399 slugging uh, for 1997. Uh, 1998 was uh, a similar year to 97 for Franco, uh, and a similar year for the Mets, where they uh, played well and gave us some excitement, but uh, faded in September, uh, not quite getting back to the playoffs uh, for the first time since 1988. Uh, Franco displayed even less power, not that he was ripping a ton of pinch hit home runs in 97, but he had five homers. Uh, in 97 only one in 98 uh but really began to flesh uh the keen batting eye that would uh serve him well and make him not just an excellent pinch hitter but a pretty good pinch walker uh he had a 366 on-base percentage in 98 uh, actually better even bettering his 360 slugging percentage so let's get right to it Matt franco's signature met moment in July 10th of 1999 uh, the Mets and the Yankees at Shea Stadium, a uh, huge three-game series, both teams doing incredibly well. The Yankees, of course, coming off their record-setting 1998 and their second World Championship in three years. Uh, but the Mets had won the first game of the series, always a relief for me in the Subway Series, we're not going to get swept, uh, I know I should probably set higher standards, but I do not. Uh, Mets won 5-2, to two, lighter over Clemens. Uh, so I really remember Mike Piazza beginning his ownage of Roger Clemens. Uh, he hit the big home run uh, in the sixth inning to give the Mets the first game. Uh, then the next game was Saturday afternoon at Shea. Uh, I remember personally remember it. Uh, I try not to bore you too much with personal uh, details, but I remember my it was my girlfriend at the time's college graduation party. Uh, I was trying to be a good partner and not just watch the game. Uh, she grew up in Queens and was a Yankee fan. I grew up in the Bronx and was a Met fan because New York, what the hell? Uh, but I was trying to you know not be distracted by the game, as I was often accused of being but uh, gradually everyone at the party started drifting towards uh, the game, and most of them, of course, were Yankee fans, so I was uh, as anxious as could be. And it was not a good game to be anxious during. There were five lead changes. Uh, The Yankees hit, I believe, six home runs in the game. Uh, The Mets only hit one, although that one home run may have gone farther than... All six Yankee home runs combined, or at least it felt that way, uh, when Mike Piazza hit a absolute bomb out of Shea Stadium off of Ramiro Mendoza, uh, which which gave the Mets a seven to six lead after seven innings. But the Yankees came right back in the top of the eighth with a two run homer by Jorge Posada to give them back an eight to seven lead. Uh, and then when the Mets went Quietly, one, two, three in the bottom of the eighth, Uh, you couldn't feel too good with Mariano Rivera looming for the ninth. In the bottom of the ninth, did not start off well. Brian McCray grounded out slowly to second, uh, but Ricky Henderson worked out a walk uh, and Edgardo Alfonso doubled, uh, putting runners on second and third and one out, uh, thinking maybe a tie would at least be possible. Uh, But John Olerud grounded out to first uh, with the infield in run was not allowed to score, and they intentionally walked Mike Piazza to load the bases. uh, With Melvin Mora due up, Matt Franco came in to pinch it uh, against Mariano. And with a one-ball-and-two-strike count, Matt Franco laced a line drive into right field, uh, scoring two runs, uh, setting off Bedlam at Shea Stadium, and I believe causing me to leap off the couch Run out of the party and run up and down Queens Boulevard uh, in absolute delight. Uh, one of the most memorable wins uh, I can remember the Mets having, and uh, definitely the signature moment of Matt Franco's Met career. Uh, and I just rewatched the video because uh, it thrilled me to do so. And Gary Cohen added that uh, the Yankees had at the time won 124 straight games that they were leading after eight innings, before that game. There's certainly a lot of great, memorable Met Subway Series moments. The, you know, the the coup double off of Randy Johnson and dash around the bases. Um, Dave Malicki's shutout in the first game, but probably the absolute best one. I mean, you know, winning a tie, tie game walk-off is one thing, but... Uh, when you're behind, walk-off hit, just absolute gold. And yeah, it was against the Yankees, so maybe it counts for a tiny bit extra. I have to admit, Franco would not actually be done with his walk-off heroics for 1999, though. On August the 23rd of 1999, against the Astros, uh, the Mets went into the bottom of the ninth, tied at two, and uh, with after Darryl Hamilton double. And, wow, a two-out intentional walk of Ray Ordonez. I mean, I guess you're bringing up the pitcher spot to get Benitez out of the game, but I don't know who was managing the Astros that year, but I don't know about that. At any rate, Matt Franco came in to pinch it uh, for Benitez with two outs in the ninth and delivered a blooper to left to score Hamilton and give the Mets a walk-off win. And let's be honest, every win really, really counts when it takes you 163 games to make it to the playoffs. So, uh, for the second time in the year, um, Matt Franco, second prominent time, Matt Franco delivered. Uh, The 1999 playoff run the Mets went on was, of course, incredibly memorable, um, if unfortunately a tad too short. Uh, Franco only got one plate appearance against the Diamondbacks in the NLDS, in which he walked, uh, but he he went uh, one for two uh, with a walk in three official plate appearances uh, against the Braves in the NLCS. Uh, appeared in five games. I think there were one or two games where he kind of got double switched out, where like a lefty, you know, he got announced as a pinch hitter and didn't get to bat. Um, but he did come to the plate in. The very notable last two games of that series coming up in the bottom of the 15th of the Grand Slam single game. Uh, Sean Dunstan, of course, led off the bottom of the 15th with a single. And Franco, and his incredible batting eye, uh, dueled Kevin McGlinchey, uh, giving Dunstan time to steal second and drawing a walk to put runners on first and second and no one out. And I do kind of remember uh, standing in the rain at Shea in that game, and I was, like, yelling at my friend that I didn't understand why they weren't pinch-running for Franco, which they did eventually, but not right after he walked. I think after Alfonso bunted the runner runners over, which I, I didn't understand. And, you know, I loved Bobby V, but uh, I believe my friend and I were debating whether or not there was anybody left on the bench to use. But uh, Roger Cedeno did come in to pinch run, and I was going to say scored, but uh, did not score because of Todd Pratt interrupting uh, the run around the bases um, in another joyous Met moment uh, that Franco was a contributor to. Uh, unfortunately, game six was uh, a little bit less joyous, but for those moments where we thought it could have been another miraculous Met comeback, uh, Franco played another uh key part, uh, doubling, leading off the top of the seventh as a pinch hitter off of John Smoltz. Uh, he came around to score on Ricky Henderson's double uh, in an inning when the Mets would tie the game at seven uh, off of, with Mike Piazza's homer off of Smoltz. Um, and, yeah, I've said it before, that that was the moment where I really actually believed we were going to come all the way back from 3 nothing down. And, anyway... Well, we focused on the great moments in 1999. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention two other games that were drubbings that the Mets endured, but were notable in Matt Franco's career. As if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he became the first Met position player to appear tw- as a pitcher twice, um, or definitely twice in the same year. Um, I'd have to double check that. But um, on July 2nd against the Braves, the Mets suffered an very unfortunate 16 to nothing loss. I don't remember the circumstances. Uh, Actually the matchup was uh, looking at the box score, Greg Maddox versus Masato Yoshi, which was also the pitching matchup for the Grand Slam single game. Uh, The John Franco actually started the ninth inning uh, with the score 12 to nothing. And he recorded two outs and gave up three runs and, and if he was on a pitch count, uh, he threw 29 pitches, so perhaps that's why. But Franco got bailed out by Franco as Matt Franco came on to record the final out of the game. Uh, he would surrendered a home run to Gerald Williams, uh, I believe a gra- uh, three-run homer on uh he did get him down 0-2, though, I see, in the box score. Uh, almost surrendered a home run to Otis Nixon afterwards, which would have been a very rare occurrence, uh, but got Andrew Jones to strike out swinging to end the top of the ninth and end the Mets oh, end the Mets pitching misery that night. They still had uh, three outs to record to lose 16-0. Then a little over a month later, on August 8th of 99, uh, the Mets again... Uh, got drubbed this time by the Dodgers. Uh, they were down 13-3 going into the ninth at Shea, and this time Matt Franco got a full inning. Uh, he surrendered three walks and a run. Uh, yeah, single three walks, walking in a run, uh, but getting through an inning uh, and striking out one again. Must have had a good strikeout pitch. Uh, two strikeouts in an inning and a third. So he's got a career 13.5 strikeouts per nine innings, and no one can take that away from him. Uh, 20.3 walks per nine innings, but he doesn't have to mention that to people. 2000 would really be Franco's last full year uh, with the Mets. Uh, We get fewer pinch-hitting appearances and uh, fewer notable ones. He did deliver uh, one more walk-off single on April 24th against the Dodgers. Giving the Mets a one-nothing win with a with an infield single in the ninth inning in a in an early season game, uh, but otherwise seemed to play a less prominent role in that 2000 team than in earlier seasons. Uh, he was on the postseason roster for the last two rounds. I don't believe he was on the roster for the NLDS against the Giants, uh, but he was 0 for 3 in the NLCS and 0 for 1. In the World Series in 2000. Uh, Franco was granted free agency after the 2000 season. Uh, the Met, He actually did re sign with the Mets in February of 2001, but spent the entire 2001 season in AAA. Uh, so in the 2001 offseason, he signed with the Braves. He actually had a pretty good 2002 with the Braves, which I remember at the time really stuck in my crawl. Uh, his best year statistically by far, uh, he hit 317, 395, 517 slugging. I don't think he cracked over 400 any other year. 912 OPS, 6 homers, 30 RBIs, uh, yeah, only 205 at bats, but. Um, yeah, you know, For the moment, it, it did really irk me, but you know, when you get a game-winning single off of Mariano Rivera, uh, all things can eventually be forgiven. He spent 2003 with the Braves as well, his last season in the majors, uh, and kind of came back to earth, as you would imagine, with it being his last major league season. He did continue playing professional ball for a few more years, reuniting with his beloved old manager, Bobby V in the Japanese league for Chiba Latte, um, where he had a couple of really impressive years in uh, 04 and 05 in particular, hitting uh, 16 and 21 homers in those years, uh, numbers he obviously never saw in uh, the majors. For that major league career, uh, Matt Franco recorded 0.2 war, according to baseball reference, uh, hit 22 career home runs, uh, batted 267, uh with it 349 on base, uh 391 slugging, uh seven forty OPS, ninety-three OPS plus. Most of that, of course, was a Met. He's uh appeared in four hundred fifty two of his career, six hundred and sixty one major league games with the Mets, uh getting six hundred twenty one at bats, uh, pretty much a full season's worth spread over his four plus years with the Mets, five seasons, uh, you know, very brief time in the majors and 96, uh, hitting 13 homers, 71 RBIs as a Met, Uh, 86 walks, 97 strikeouts, so again, great plate discipline, 254 average as a Met, 345 on base, 359 slugging percentage, three walk-off hits, one of the more memorable ones in New York Met history. As far as Met career lists, Franco, you know, is a very notable pinch hitter in Mets history and, in fact, is third all-time in Mets history in pinch hits. Uh, I believe it's 58 was the total. Uh, I know he's behind Ed Cranepool and Rusty Staub on that career list. Uh, And he actually had set a major league record uh, with that batting eye of 20 pinch walks in 1999, 20 pinch hit appearances in which Franco drew a walk. Uh, that mark has since been eclipsed by Matt Joyce, I believe, in 2016. They always told me a uh, walk's as good as a hit in Little League. Uh, perhaps that was a measure of my not-intimidating bat. Um, but Sabermetrics would seem to uh, buffer that statement up a bit. But for all of those pinch hit walks and pinch it It'll really be that one single off of Mariano Rivera more than any other uh, for which Matt Franco is unformidable. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content and follow us on the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help us out original music by bunga i'm on twitter at wolf w o l f f r r, and the show is at unformidable thank you and as always let's go Mets.